Welcome to Behind the Bookshelves. My name is Richard Davis, and this Abe Books podcast is dedicated to telling the stories behind books and the people who love them. Today, I'm going to Middle Earth. On 21st of September 1937, one of the most celebrated and collectible books in modern literature was published in London. It was the brainchild of a bored college professor who, while in the midst of marking papers, jotted down the words, In a hole in the ground there lived a hobbit. The Hobbit's initial UK release through Allen and Unwin in 1937 was only 1,500 copies. Receiving enthusiastic reviews, it sold out in a couple of months, prompting subsequent printings and a North American release through Houghton Mifflin. As popularity grew, publishers and fans alike began urging J.R.R. Tolkien to write a second book. It wasn't long before Tolkien realised the need to revise the text of The Hobbit, so it would properly integrate into a sequel. At the time, Tolkien was in an ongoing piracy battle with US publishers, and editing the text enabled him to copyright the book and put an end to the piracy. The revised section occurs where Bilbo plays the riddle game with Gollum. In the original, Gollum bets his ring in a game of chance, but this is reworked in later editions in order to reflect Tolkien's new concept of the ring and its powerful hold on Gollum. Tolkien explained the differing stories between editions by stating that he was simply the translator of the supposedly historic Red Book of Westmarch, a manuscript written by hobbits, and had used Bilbo's original story in the first printings and later translated the work of the true story recorded by Frodo. Either way, I don't think anyone cares too much about that. While The Hobbit gained enough popularity to prompt the publishing of Lord of the Rings, it did not find a big audience until the 1960s, when publishers printed a huge reissue of affordable copies in the US. The timing of the release was perfect. America had plenty of nerd-like readers who were not being served with imaginative stories of epic adventure. Also, the market for relatable, humble, accidental heroes was just starting to take off. Another factor in the success of the novel was adult acceptance of fantasy. Whereas previously the genre had been mostly regarded as a children's thing, Tolkien's acute attention to detail when creating Middle-earth was the key to his success. He created an entire mythology for his work that was grounded in existing mythologies and real languages. Middle-earth has multiple cultures, languages and histories all intertwined. If the reader wants to get immersed in another world, then they can. You can see Tolkien's influence on several other successful high fantasy series, such as Dune and Dragon Riders. And Tolkien paved the way for many other authors, including J.K. Rowling, who built a detailed universe of wizardry that exists alongside our world. Tolkien's newfound mass appeal began to drive the collector's market for early editions. The readers of the 1960s became the collectors of the 1970s, and the price of early editions started to rise along with the book's popularity. In fact, a first edition of The Hobbit was sold on Abe Books in December 2005 for $65,000, and that isn't even considered the ceiling for what firsts can sell for.
Despite the fact that Tolkien taught for many years at Oxford University and was not a recluse like, say, Thomas Pynchon or Cormac McCarthy, signed material by Tolkien is relatively hard to find. A Tolkien signature usually significantly increases the value of one of his books. Tolkien's close friend, C.S. Lewis, a fellow inkling at Oxford University, shared his distaste for signings too. Being interested in Tolkien sometimes takes readers and collectors in a number of different directions, beyond The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings books. His writing stretched into Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, King Arthur, Beowulf and the Book of Jonah. He taught Anglo-Saxon and English literature at Oxford. He studied numerous forms of mythology. He painted. He was part of a fascinating literary group, the Inklings, who met at the Eagle and Child pub in Oxford. And there are plenty of interesting books about Tolkien himself. It makes me smile to learn that there are now three mountains in British Columbia named after Tolkien characters. Mount Shadowfax, Mount Gandalf and Mount Aragorn. He'd have been amazed at all of this because he never thought The Hobbit was good enough to be published. He'd also be amazed at the recreation of the Shire in New Zealand that's attracting thousands of so-called Hobbit tourists. So that's all we have time for this week. Thanks for listening. My name is Richard Davis from Abe Books. If you like the show, please share it, like it, tell your friends. And we'll see you next time.